listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Hello and welcome to another episode of Let the Bible Speak. I'm very glad that you're able to join us again today as we consider the Word of God and what it says in our lives. I count it a tremendous privilege to be able to bring the Word to you uh, week by week, and I do not take for granted the fact that you listen. I just trust that these broadcasts are an encouragement uh, to your soul. And again, remind you, if you'd like to get in touch, please uh, use our church email address, malvernfpc at yahoo.com. Send us your comments. Uh, any words of encouragement would be appreciated as we continue to seek to glorify God in the preaching of his word. Today we are considering, again, some more material from the book of Haggai. Haggai is known as one of the minor prophets. And whilst they are smaller in size than the major prophets like Isaiah or Jeremiah, yet they contain information that is so very important in the study of biblical history and indeed in the study of God's plan of redemption. God was pleased to use Haggai and Zechariah to encourage the people of God after they returned from exile in Babylon. Their ministries were tremendously influential in taking the work of God forward for the glory and honour of God's name. Today I want to read the opening nine verses of the second chapter of Haggai, and let's look to the Lord for his help. In the second month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do ye see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek the high priest, and be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when ye came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you, fear ye not. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once it is little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Amen. May God bless his word. And indeed, may we know the help of God as we seek to study it afresh today. When I come to the end of this broadcast, I'd like to present you four lessons on the subject of Christian faithfulness. Paul makes the point to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 12, that it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. That is consistently what God expects of us. He expects that we keep on going on. In times of difficulty, that we keep on pressing on. 
in times of progress and success that we do not lay back but we keep on going on and that really of course is the theme of this book the first wave of the returning captives have found themselves back in the land and initially the work starts read about this in Ezra the work starts and yet soon stops due to trouble and to persecution and we find that when the work stops God sends Haggai and Zechariah to encourage them and you read in Ezra chapter 5 that the work of God recommences and yet as chapter 2 of Haggai starts there is a new word from God to encourage them to keep on going and as we think of this new word we should understand initially that they experienced discouragement they experienced discouragement this is only two months or less than two months after the recommencement of the work and once more discouragement sets in we have the date it's the seventh month in the one and twentieth day of the month the word of the Lord comes by Haggai they have come to experience discouragement there were those who were saying in Haggai 2 verse 3 who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory and how do you see it now is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing this discouragement had surfaced initially when the foundations were laid for the rebuilding of the temple in Ezra chapter 3 and the verse number 12 Many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers who were ancient men that had seen the first house when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes wept. They remembered the days, the former days, the glory of Solomon's temple. They remembered its grandeur and its size. And discouragement sets in when they realize that this newly built temple was not going to have the glory of Solomon's temple as they saw it. And so as this discouragement is experienced, so the word of God comes through Haggai and he says to them, verse number four of chapter two, Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, and be strong, O Joshua, and work. The word of God in times of discouragement is to be faithful. It is to be strong and it is to work. There are times in the work of God that we We consider the state of the work. We feel the absence of outward success. We feel in many ways that the work of God is going backwards and weakness and weariness set in. There are many accounts of this in the history of the work of God in missions and in church life. And there are the ancient people as they're referred to in Ezra chapter 3. Ancient men, older members, and they, they see the challenges faced in the present day and disappointments set in and discouragement can hinder the work of God it is in that setting that God brings this word to us and to the people then from the mouth of Haggai and so they have experienced discouragement the second thing we can note is that they were encouraged unto diligence by now you'll realize that my focus in this broadcast will fall upon Haggai chapter 2 and the verse number 4 yet now be strong O Zerubbabel, be strong, O Joshua. It is a word from the Lord to Zerubbabel and to Joshua. Why should they continue to build? Why should they be strong and work? What is it that would motivate them to press on despite the encouragements? 
Ezra chapter 6 shows us that this word was used of God to enable them to continue in the work. So what was the word? What does God say to motivate them unto strength, to courage, and to work? Well, if I can summarize this way, the word that God gives is the assurance of the presence of the Spirit according to the promise of God to fulfill the purpose of God. The Lord gives these builders, these workers, the encouragement that he will be with them to fulfill his promise, to accomplish all of his purposes. You see, verses 6 through 8 speak of God's continued purposes in redemption. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth. Verse 7, I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory. The people are lamenting the fact that the former house was of greater glory than the latter. And here the Lord says, No, I will fill this house with my glory. God's work in the nations would continue. And the language here of God coming and shaking the nations and shaking the earth is language that indicates his intervention in human history in the work of redemption. The hymn writer in that incarnational hymn would say, Come, desire of nations, come. That's a reference to verse number 7. I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come. And the hymn writer understood this to be referring to the coming of the Messiah, to the coming of Jesus Christ. And I think that is indeed a very accurate interpretation of this verse. Glory will come into the very house that is being built here in the time of Haggai. The Shekinah glory, it speaks of Christ coming to dwell. As John tells us in John 1 verse 14, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. It is that Lord that fulfills the promise of peace that's mentioned here. In verse number 9, the glory of this latter house shall be greater than that of the former. And in this place will I give peace. It is, of course, the Messiah who comes and brings peace. He comes to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Luke 1, verse 79. The angels would cry unto the shepherds, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. It is the Lord coming to this temple that is the announcement of peace in the world. It is the Messiah's coming and the shedding of his blood that opens up the way whereby man can have peace with God and indeed the way whereby man can have peace with man as they are reconciled together to one another in the blood of the cross. Messiah comes to give peace and in so doing nations are blessed in the coming of the Messiah. The Lord comes and shakes all nations and the desire of all nations comes. The coming of Messiah to not only save the Jew, but also to save the Gentile. Nations are blessed when Messiah comes to this house that is built in Haggai's time. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, Paul tells the Galatian church, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The coming of the Messiah is a coming that brings blessing to the nations, God shakes the earth. And so God's encouraging. He's encouraging uh, Zerubbabel and Joshua to keep on working because he still has work to do in the world. 
He is continuing his purposes in redemption. And to that end, his ongoing redemptive purpose guarantees the presence of the Spirit of God. As he says in Haggai 2 verse 5, According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you, fear ye not. There is the promise of the Spirit of God. And you will note as we read those verses, the repetition of the term the Lord of hosts. Verse 4, the Lord of hosts. Verse five, verse 6, the Lord of hosts. Verse 7, 8 and 9, the Lord of hosts. Many times this theme is repeated. It is the one who is the sovereign God. It is his spirit, the Lord of hosts. The Lord of the company of the angelic host. The almighty God, it is his spirit that guarantees the completion of his purposes what an encouragement this would have been to Zerubbabel and to Joshua that they had the assurance of the Spirit of God. That presence, which in turn is a covenantal assurance. We have that reference in verse 5. According to the word that I covenanted with you, God entered that oath-bound, solemn covenant with the promise of his presence. My presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. Exodus chapter 33. Thus, our strength and work is motivated not by self-examination, but by God-examination. We work and are strong because he works and is strong. It is as we consider the, the power of God to work in the fulfillment of his purposes that we indeed are able to go forward and work for God. And so this is true in Haggai's day. It's true for Zerubbabel and for Joshua. And they're, they're being encouraged to be faithful in the building, the rebuilding of the temple. But from that historical setting, there are certain words, application. And I said there are four things that I want to leave with you as we close off this broadcast. Four lessons regarding faithfulness. Faithfulness in the work of God. Well, first of all, faithfulness is expressed when we do what the Master requires. The Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 12 tells a parable about a steward, a steward described as being faithful and wise. It's not my purpose now to examine that parable, but there are some clues regarding faithfulness when the Lord describes this steward. The blessed servant is the one whom the Lord finds doing in that time of his coming. The wise and the faithful steward that Wise and blessed servant is the one who knows the Lord's will and does the Lord's will. And this is a reminder to us that our duty is expressed in Christ's commission to the church. If faithfulness is doing what the master requires, then if we are to be faithful in our day, it is not to rebuild a physical temple. It is to hear the command of our Lord to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. It is to hear the command of the Lord that those who are converted, those who are disciples of Christ, are then brought together in local churches and encouraged and discipled in the things of God. And so our responsibility as the Lord's workers today is to be faithful in the place of prayer, praying for God's blessing upon the preaching of the word. It is to be faithful in sharing Christ, and bringing Christ to the minds of the unconverted, that they would hear, hear of Christ and become his disciples. To be faithful as workers for Christ today 
is to be faithful in our local churches, that we would encourage and disciple each other, strengthen each other in the things of God. Faithfulness is not making up new things to do in industry for Christ. It is simply to do what he requires. It is to walk in the Lord's statutes. So faithfulness is expressed in doing what the master requires. Secondly, faithfulness is not conditioned upon visible responses and visible results. We are not to determine our faithfulness according to what we see happening by way of outcome or results. Oftentimes our present experience will fall short of both our expectations and our past enjoyments. I I love reading church history and I, I, I delight to read the accounts of old revivals where God moved in remarkable fashion. And such reading has given me a longing and expectation for God to work in our day. And I have those expectations and I believe I can take them to the Lord in prayer. But at the same point, I cannot excuse any lethargy in my own soul because things are not as they were formerly. And past blessings should not lessen my determination to be faithful to the Lord. And so faithfulness must not be conditioned upon the results that happen in the work. We are simply called to be faithful, to do what the Lord requires and leave the outcome and the results to the Lord. It would be wrong for us to say that the church in this present day fails to come to the glory of a previous day. That may well be true, but we must still ourselves be strong and work. And so faithfulness in the third place then, it requires this inner resolve and outward exertion. True spiritual faithfulness is not just activity without an inner resolve, nor is it an inner resolve without activity. And in the Lord's word to the people through Haggai, both of these things come together. They are told to be strong and work. The word strong here speaks of a resolve of purpose. It is the word for courage. And courage is involved here as opposed to fear. And fear is mentioned in verse number 5. And so the word is a word akin to that in Second Samuel chapter 10. Be of good courage. And let us play the men for our people and for the cities of our God, and the Lord do that which seemeth him good. We are to have this strength of courage. Now that courage is based upon the promises that we thought about, the promises of God's presence and God's purpose is being continued. Those, those words of assurance will strengthen our inner resolve. We are committed in these things because we know the Lord is at work. But we still, we require this courage. We're told it's a command, be of good courage. You take the Psalm 27, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Is your courage waning today? Are you living in fear of all that this world is presenting as a challenge to the work of God? Do you fear the persecution that may arise? Do you fear the strength of the movement, the secular movement all around us? Do you fear these things? Are you timid in your evangelism? Are you 
timid in speaking a word for Christ? Are you fearful what might happen in your in your employment or in some other realm of life? And you've you succumbed to the spirit of fear. Wait on the Lord, dear child of God. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. There's the encouragement. That as we are courageous, so the promise is that he will strengthen our hearts further. Be bold and be courageous for the Lord and allow the Lord to work in your heart. So there is this inner resolve, but that inner resolve is accompanied by work, by outward exertion. Whenever we are strong in our souls, so we will gladly work for the Lord. We'll be involved in the industries required in the service of the king. Our king has left us on this earth to serve him and to to work on his behalf. And so may we have this determination to work for the glory and honour of the name of Christ Jesus. This is what faithfulness involves. We should understand the fullness of the concept, this matter of inner resolve and outward exertion. I don't know all of you who are listening to this broadcast But it is my certain prayer and my desire that as you listen, you consider your own work for Christ and ask for the Spirit of God to strengthen your heart that you could do a work for Christ even at this time. Faithfulness is expressed in doing what the Master requires. Faithfulness is not conditioned upon visible results. Faithfulness requires inner resolve and outward exertion. And fourthly and finally, faithfulness is promoted by our consideration of our place in God's purpose. We are serving in a different redemptive era, and yet we still have the promises of God. We have the sure and certain word of God regarding his ongoing purposes in the world. What is God doing now? He is building the church with souls from every nation, The church is described as a building to which living stones are added as they come to love the Saviour. And Christ is building his church. And God will not fail to accomplish his ultimate purpose. We have the assurance of words like Isaiah 53 that Christ shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. We have the very language of the coming of Christ into the world. He was giving this name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. The Lord has given us his spirit to empower the work. The spirit of God poured out on the death Pentecost is the person that works in the church, so causing the church to advance and be glorified. God is still working. Christ tarries. His return awaits until every precious soul is gathered into that building of the church of Christ. And so the work continues. Christ tarries. And we can be certain that God is still going about his work. Therefore, in light of that, we must be strong and courageous. We wait the day when the trump will sound and the dead in Christ shall rise. We wait for the day when Christ shall descend and come. And then all things will be given over unto the Father. We look to that day. But in the meantime, we know that God is still working. That God is still Allowing the gospel to go forward with power and with with indeed the authority that comes from God himself. And so we pray, Lord, give us strength. Give us the ability to keep on working. I trust that you're a faithful laborer for Christ. I trust you're faithful in a local church. 
that you're encouraging the preaching of the word, that you're faithful in the place of prayer. I trust that you're faithful in the work of missions. And whilst you may not be called to go across the world, some of you might be. And it could well be the case that today there's someone listening to this broadcast and you hear the call of God. You, you feel the call of God upon your life and you know it is time for you to go and serve Christ in some far off land. Oh, the word of God is powerful to encourage our souls. We're thankful for the Lord's word to our hearts today that the Lord's presence is with us and we have the assurance of his power as he continues to work out his redemptive purposes. Therefore, dear child of God, be strong and work. And let me ask you, as I close today's broadcast, let me ask you, do you know the Saviour yourself? I'm speaking about a victorious Saviour, a Saviour who's accomplishing his work and saving souls. But has he saved your soul? Have you come to the point that you confess your sin and own him as Lord and King? I trust today you would do so. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He came to die on the cross. And as he obeyed the Father's will, as he was faithful, so he rose again and has ascended triumphant to the right hand of the majesty on high. And even now he is able to save your soul. And so by the knee, confess him to be your Lord and King. And may you be part of the eternal church of Jesus Christ. Well, let me pray in closing today. I'll ask for God's blessing upon faithful churches in the Philadelphia area and that God will be pleased to pour his spirit upon this area for the honour and glory of his name. Eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank you for the promises that we receive in the word of God. We thank you for the assurances that we have that Christ continues to work and all that he's accomplished in Calvary will indeed be applied in those for whom he died. I pray, O Lord, today for your blessing to rest and abide upon every faithful preacher of the word, for those who love the book and exalt the blood of Christ. We ask, O God, that the Spirit of God will be poured out upon those churches in such a way that the kingdom of Christ would extend and his church would indeed be built. O Lord, we look to you today. These are difficult days, troubling times, and we depend wholly upon you to work for your glory and for your namesake, as we pray in Christ's precious name, looking to him that he would have all the glory. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We preach Christ crucified.